0: Thank you for listening to the Cosmetics Business Podcast. For early access to episodes, exclusive beauty news stories, analysis, trend reports, and award-winning magazines, subscribe to cosmeticsbusiness.com. That's cosmeticsbusiness.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Cosmetics Business Podcast and the first for 2024. In this series from our London studio, the Cosmetics Business journalists go beyond the headlines to explore the biggest stories and trends in beauty. First of all, we just want to say a thank you to everyone who listened to our very first episode out in December. The wonderful feedback was beyond what we expected, so thank you. We'll be releasing episodes monthly going forwards, but if you're enjoying what we're doing, let us know by contacting us on social media or leaving a review, and we'll make them more regularly. I'm Sarah Parsons, and I'm sitting here with three other cosmetics business journalists Julia Ray, Amanda Pauly, and Alessandro Carrara. And on today's episode, we're going to explore the beauty trends to watch in 2024 from the emerging hangover beauty category to the rise of ultra luxury products with $18,000 face creams to the skincare ingredients we're expecting to see everywhere. And don't forget, make sure to stay to the end where we reveal our favorite new products of the month. Okay, so as we work off our overindulgence from the festive season and start our
0: health kicks for 2024, Julia, let's go with your pick of the year. Absolutely. So yeah, on the theme of overindulgence, I think if you hear the term hangover beauty said casually, you probably think that it was maybe linked to that in some capacity. It was referencing, you know, this, uh, this well, being hungover, essentially. Personally, when I heard it, I thought that it might be possibly an evolution of the whole ugly beauty trend uh, on TikTok so things like crying girl makeup that was big a couple of months back or uh, from a few years ago there was a k-beauty trend for kind of puffy under eyes with people using tape to give themselves that that puffy look that's kind of what what I assumed it might be and I mean if somebody said to you hang of a beauty what would your first uh, port of call be?
1: So I thought it would be about having a hangover beauty routine mine was when I used to drink was eye patches to go underneath the eyes straight from their fridge from the fridge was very important for that cooling sensation hat. and then those ice globes that I'd put over my temples and I would just lie there horizontal with probably a slim fart because my stomach couldn't handle much <laughs> and the eye <ibuprofen. laughs> Oh god you really had a routine down <laughs> yeah.
2: oh I did I really did so yeah I was the other end of the spectrum I thought it was going to be the return of indie sleaze so I was thinking like 2000s Kate Moss at festivals, smudged eyeliner, you know, kind of that crinkle kind of look hair, that whole kind of vibe, you know, the Pete Doherty era. Um, yeah, full that, on rumpled. Yeah, and I'm, I'm here for it if it is that, but I'm imagining it maybe isn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you're right, it, it's not. Um, and again, I think we were maybe
0: on the same page there with kind of what we thought it might be. But actually, in actuality, what it is, it's not to make you look hungover or, or look like you've, you know, just fell out of bed. It's not even necessarily a trend about alcohol consumption to kind of loop back to what you were saying there, Sarah. What it actually is, it's a more forgiving and honest approach to to self-care because traditionally, if, if you're like me, you're a millennial, when you hear the word wellness... I think it makes you think of things like clean eating, Gwyneth you know, <laughs> exactly, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow peak goop, um, all these things which are maybe a bit spartan and, and maybe a little bit miserable as well. Uh, so it's all about things like denial and, and iron will. But what Hangover Beauty is, it's one of the key predicted beauty trends for 2024 from the trends forecaster WGSN. And at the core of it, basically is this acknowledgement that we will sometimes overindulge. It happens to everyone, especially at Christmas, that these kind of strict wellness regimens they kind of don't factor in fun or take into account just how naturally messy life can be. And essentially, that's just not realistic. So this is a backlash against all of that, which kind of rejects this notion of of sacrifice and misery and getting up at 5am to go and run around a park and get really cold.
1: It ties in with that goblin core. 100%. It's
0: like one of the words of the year, which I love personally. Yeah, it's kind of about embracing imperfection, you know, maybe not going down the the, the entire road of staying in bed all day, but but yeah, just being forgiving with yourself, really, essentially. And I am going to mention uh, that there is with things like goblin call, there is a generational aspect to this trend. So according to WGSN, Gen Z is kind of really pushing and inspiring this trend, and apparently it's because young adults are really behind this growing anti wellness attitude uh, with more of a focus on indulgence. But obviously, this is the overarching trend. How does it apply to beauty? Where do we all fit in in this category? Essentially, it's all about low maintenance beauty products, which are designed to address, as you said earlier, the effects of late nights and partying without hassle. And there are already products on the market uh, which meet this trend. So, for example, Sephora, I love this. It sells hangover patches from a brand called Toku, hope I'm pronouncing that right. And it's called About Last Night. So the name, you know, it, it doesn't beat around the bush. It's very obvious what it does. And essentially, it's a patch with B vitamins and other extracts like milk thistle, for example, which are supposed to be very good to help the body process alcohol and detoxify the liver and all those kind of things. Face, uh, the brand with with the double A, that has a kit called uh, The Morning After, The Night Before. So it's a duo. It brings together two of its products, a dull face cleanser to remove impurities, and uh, it's tired face mask as well, which contains all these things like caffeine, hyaluronic acid, aloe vera, vitamin C. So all these kind of cocktail of ingredients to get skin hydrated Mm -hmm. and energised. And I think Face's ethos fits really well into this trend. So it's got a tagline, which is Face is here to be prescriptive without the faff. So again, it's really tapping into that hassle-free aspect because I don't know about you guys, but if you have have a busy, busy night, the last thing that you want to do is really have to think about things Mm -hmm. or do anything.
1: (laughs) So yeah. um, It's true for your... um, trend, Julia, because I knew it was going to be hangover beauty, <laughs> um, I got nosy and I decided to look at historical hangover and beauty wellness tips that might inspire
0: our listeners today. It's just like 1950s Vogue. Oh kind no, before, of. before.
1: really? Oh, so, um... This is even further back than 1950s. We're talking more like 13th century. Wow. So um, rubies were actually recommended by a physician in Kashmir in the 13th century for nausea and vomiting. So what you would do, um, you would grind a ruby into a fine powder and then you'd place it on your tongue. That
0: seems like a terrible thing to do to a ruby. (laughs) No, I'm not going to lie. completely
1: waste. I thought that was interesting for our listeners who are interested in wellness and the luxury end of the spectrum. But also um, that rubies are made from mineral aluminium oxide, uh, which is now actually used in face cream products. So it's not too far off. From so what there's a method today. to the madness, as it is so yeah. often with really kind of ancient
0: remedies. I yeah, think.
1: there really is. And there was another one which I thought was fascinating. And that emeralds were used from the third century BCE um, to rest and relieve the eye because of their soothing colour.
0: Okay, so that probably has less of a scientific basis to it, but even so, I I like it. But it's still used today, though. Well, emeralds. Yeah, so Mm. um, often it will
1: say if you wear emerald jewellery or if you have emerald colour in your life, it helps
0: um, relieve tension of the eyes. So people still do it today. Interesting. Mm. I'm going to look into the science behind that because I think, I mean, I feel like green is a very soothing colour generally. Oh, I don't necessarily think it's very scientific. I just think it's a wellness (laughs) practice that people might be interested in.
3: I just love the idea of, like, putting on a necklace and just feeling, like, empowered, something out of, like, a video game or something, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Level up.
3: <Yeah.
0: laughs> Fantastic. Well, the good news is you don't necessarily have to be grinding down diamonds or emeralds to put in your um, formulations to help jump on this trend. Um the thing is, you've probably got products that fit nicely into this trend in your portfolio already. You know, for example, if you have anything energising or brightening or detoxing, just, I guess my recommendation would be to make the marketing less peppy because you're not really going, whoa, yeah, energy, yes. It's more of, okay, right, so you're down here at the moment, but we want to get you back to a kind of normality level. So that's kind of the way you could remarket existing products to uh, to really fit into this. Another interesting approach, actually, that WGSM mentions is products which are formulated in a way which means that they won't, um, you can fall asleep in your makeup without it, for example, causing breakouts or getting all over your pillow. Because I think there's something just really depressing about waking up in the morning and looking at your pillow and just seeing a second face of makeup. So I've got a bone right in there. that. I was watching an interview with Dolly Parton the other day, and she says she sleeps in her makeup all the time. And could you just imagine what her pillow would look like? 100%. <laughs> but if Queen Dolly does it, I would be very happy Me to too. do it as well and it kind of reminded me i don't know whether you guys remember this of there was an athleisure makeup trend a few years ago where you know the whole idea was that you put on a bit of makeup go to the gym sweating it all off well not sweating it all off in this case you grab a towel pat your face and it wouldn't transfer to the towel so i imagine that some of the formulations that work well with that might tap into this pretty nicely as well so yeah i mean any thoughts on the hangover trend and uh, what products could maybe fit into it
3: I'm really for the trends. I'm for anything that really takes some of the pressure off of beauty generally, because there is a lot of pressure to look a certain way, to follow the routine, to follow the steps. So chilling that out a bit and being kind to yourself, I'm all for it.
1: Be kind. It's a good mantra. Mm. Um and on the notion of treating yourself, I want to jump in with my trend of 2024, uh, which is the rise of ultra-luxe beauty. Um, so how much would you spend on a serum or face cream? Well, that's the question lots of beauty brands are pushing and exploring. We're an increasing number of them creating a new tier of luxury. The ultra luxe category. Um, before I get your thoughts on this, I just wanted to give you a couple of examples to, to really explore the kind of luxury we we're talking about here. You obviously have Le Maire, Prairie, Sicily, they're kind of more the traditional luxury brands, several hundred pounds each. But there's this new generation of traditional brands but creating new products. Uh, so, you have Chanel. So, they've just upgraded its most premium skincare range, Sublimage, and they now have a 620 ultra concentrated treatment, L'Extra de Nuit. Apologies for any French listeners. And then, um, Guerlain have created an 18,000 euro fragrance. Yeah. Um, the bottle is made of 24 karat gold plated bronze. The beetle on the bottle is made or made of 440 hand asphyxiated gems and it's framed in eight jewels on top of that. And then you've got Japanese brand Clare de po, and for its 40th anniversary, the brand released a limited collection of diamond encrusted face cream housed in a gold and silver jewellery box and lipstick with only three sets released each month. And
0: that is $18,000. It's interesting. I think we're seeing an ascendancy of, of brands, for example, Dr. Barbara Sturm, um, and which Oprah is an investor in, and it now has a majority owner in Pooch. You have Augustine Spader, which is this massive A-list of favourites. Um, and then L'Oreal, for example, is upping its focus on uh, Helena Rubinstein. So there is definitely, I think, this move as you were saying, towards ultra-luxury brands and, as you were saying, within brands which already have credentials um, in that area, just taking it to another level, really.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's obviously far more than the formulation. It's almost like these products are pieces of art. They're jewellery, they're objects to be admired on display for other people not
3: something to be recycled after you're done with <laughs> no, you know i really hope
0: they're all <laughs> refillable
3: <laughs> i hope so too i
0: mean I, th- I feel like we are seeing a lot of ultra luxe brands like dior and chanel are going down a much more sustainable route so with these gorgeous uh, refillable object of arts you know but then also things like uh, i know that chanel is Materials like Sulapak for its lids, for example. So they're really, you know, despite being the, uh, I would say the ultra luxury brand, they're really doubling down on sustainability credentials there.
1: Yeah, it really is. And this new tier of luxury is also really cementing where the luxury brands are heading in terms of demographic Experts think they're really doing this to target the Chinese market, this idea, because um, China has one of the highest populations of high net worth individuals in the world, and it's a market that everyone's after. And there's this thought process that the Chinese consumer really values luxury in a different way to perhaps other demographics do. But also, it's actually, if you think about it, someone like Chanel or Dior, they have introduced a very ultra luxe um, line as well. It's also in line with luxury fashion. Because luxury fashion prices have increased 25% since 2019. So it's almost like there's this wiggle room now for beauty to catch up with its um, sister categories.
3: I have to ask though, when will it end? Because I feel like we have ultra lux now. But I do feel like another tier of luxury may very well be coming around in like the next few years, even more pricey
1: hyper personalization is really another trajectory where Ultralux is going because if you look at um, Selfridges, the London department store, they have a partnership with called Dr Varley and she offers this 360 bespoke consultation where they explore everything from your skin to your sexual health. Um, you even have to take down your trousers so they can explore your thighs. Yeah, it's a very intense procedure. And then they create a regime that you're not committed to anything of treatments to, so you can be your best self. And this includes things like quote-unquote biohacking and IV drips and you know, making sure your face is symmetrical. And it's all
0: very ultra-premium prices. Yeah, I, I was going to say something very similar, which is I guess the next elevation of Ultra Lux doesn't necessarily have to kind of look like a giant diamond. <laughs> but, um, but you know, as you're saying, Sarah, the things like first access, personalized elements, behind the scenes visits, tailored recommendations, all these kind of things can elevate the experience further without having to, you know, make something look absolutely bedazzled.
3: I'd love to see that on a more budget friendly level as well cuz all that sounds great I just don't have like 5000 pounds to fix myself you know so <laughs> <laughs> Who
2: does? <laughs> Unfortunately AC I, I think it'd be a lot more than 5000 oh, no. pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I think the industry is following food and beverage industry a lot because they've done this for years, like the wine brands, tequila brands, gin brands, where they launch a limited edition. There's only 10 bottles of it in a special box done by massive designers, design the bottle and everything. And they always sell out. And it's that kind of creating this need for the collectibles. It's like creating collectibles in the industry and you wanna have them all and it's kind of a pride thing of having them on the shelf. But for the same token, I think the industry has always taught consumers that if you're gonna put your money into a product, put it into a serum because you're going to get the best bang for your buck from that product more than per se anything else in the routine so I think it's a bit of a mix of the two but I think we'll just see the industry going down that collectible one-of-a-kind route where it's that thing of you want to have it as well as actually all the benefits and the additional stuff that kind of goes with it yeah it's a status thing
1: yeah absolutely and also as well like Savvy beauty consumers want the research to back it up as well. So they really want to know that their serum works. And I know from a brand's perspective, research and clinical trials is very expensive. Mm-hmm. So that could also be one way of justifying the price if, if you really invest that money to
0: really prove that your product works.
3: Or you could be like Elon Musk and release a really expensive perfume that smells like burnt hair.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't be like Elon Musk.
3: <laughs> this was... um. Yeah, which is hilarious because uh, I think it might have been at the start of 2023. We are in 2024 now, yeah. (laughs) Um, I forget that too. Elon Musk just decided to come out with a a perfume that apparently smells like burnt hair. And um, I'm pretty sure it sold out because, like you say, on a more... I don't want to say maybe morbid level, I think it is that idea, like, okay, I have this now, this is a collectible item, I have the perfume that smells like burnt hair. It was a really interesting time. Actually, I do remember trying to email the company which made the perfume for a sample for us to get into the office to smell, but to no avail, unfortunately.
1: I think our um, colleagues would be quite happy about that, otherwise we'd stink out the office. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note about uh, personalisation, AC, I, I know your trend leads into that quite nicely.
3: It does. I'm talking about AI and AI generated content and all of that and whether you love it, hate it, or find it like downright creepy sometimes. AI in beauty is absolutely here to stay in 2024. Um, But the term is so broad and the technology actually has a staggering amount of uses in the industry, which in my opinion are both progressive, but also reductive at the same time. Perfect Core, uh, so they are an AI tech solutions provider. They released a report in January highlighting the biggest AI trends they predict from the year. So some of this included personalized shopping experiences, for example, and other stuff like AI generated avatars, which sort of leads into the whole video game metaverse movement we saw last year which is growing in popularity Uh, the biggest AI trend that I'm excited to see is the virtual try-on experience and it's been around for a while Perfect Core champions that they create solutions for that Uh, but I'm excited for the technology to get even better and Perfect Core claims it will be a big part of uh, 2024 and I think this is great especially for brands and consumers because you know it's a cost-of-living crisis and if we had really fantastic AI technology that could create a face of makeup really accurately, it's perfect because the situation where a consumer buys a product, hates it, doesn't fit with their skin tone, and just chucks it away. It not so, only... so
1: so much wastage as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
3: It's it's actually something, and to feel confident that that is something they can use to you know accurately predict a foundation or a lipstick color. Uh, I think it's fantastic. What I'm less keen to see from AI is what some people predict is an, will be an increase in AI-generated uh, marketing, visuals and imagery. And I'm sure you've all seen this, the Balenciaga videos where it's just so creepy. You're
1: talking about the Harry Potter? Harry
3: Potter, Balenciaga, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. or like Breaking Bad, <laughs> like AI. Oh, it's just Right now it's quite easy to tell if an image is AI-generated, it's usually like the hands or there's just something off about it. Can I tell it. you about a, oh.
1: Oh, an article I did on this?
3: Yeah, please, go on.
1: So. <laughs> So last year, um, when everyone was talking about ChatGPT as it was first peaking as a novelty, and then you had Microsoft Bing as well, which is a service that they do for free at the time. I wrote an article called, I created the next big beauty brand using ChatGPT. And I used Microsoft Bing to create the images to support it. And oh my God, it was f- quite frightening. When I typed in uh, what the next big beauty brand was, um, there were model shots, and their eyes were distorted, their mouths were distorted, their hands were distorted. It It was really quite creepy and not accurate at all. So it's amazing to see how it's come on as the year has gone on very quickly. But arguably the most scary thing about it was when I typed in um, next big beauty brand, the most influential beauty brand, and a futuristic makeup advertising campaign, they were all white blonde ladies. And so when mm. I typed inclusive, the same search terms as inclusive, they're brunettes. That was it. Wow, wildly inclusive then. I know, so inclusive. So that's also quite frightening, I think, about how the technology works is and how it develops is that unconscious bias mm. towards, um, towards white people basically. Mm.
3: No, I completely agree. And it's something I'm not keen to see, partly because of that. Also because it eventually will get so good that we won't be able to tell. And then all this work, you know, When it comes to marketing a product, a lot of work goes into it too. Doing the photo shoots, creating artwork, creating content around it. All of that lovely handcrafted stuff will be just completely lost, really, as it progresses. And Chloe Koush, she's a CEO and Chief Brand Marketing Strategist at CJK, CJK Consulting. She claims that AI-powered content creation can help brands create more engaging and relevant social media content, um, which resonates with their target audience. And this is sort of eye-catching visuals, compelling captions, and sort of personalized messages. But like, call me old-fashioned, but it feels a little bit heartless. And I think successful beauty marketing, I believe it needs that hands-on approach. And yeah, I think, I guess, sort of opening it up now to what you guys make of AI-generated content...
2: Yeah, we spoke a little bit before about this. I think the virtual try ons great because you're more likely to impulse buy something once you've seen it virtually. But for me, with some products, you need to see how it wears during the day, like foundation, lip stains especially, and you kind of can't get that from AI. Also, sometimes AI, some brands have AI where you do the virtual try-on and it's brilliant. It looks like you're at your actual skin. And then there's others where it just looks like such a bad filter has been put over you. And you kind of think, mm, I don't really want to look like a computer-generated thing. So I think there's parts of it where it can be tweaked and improved, but it's interesting to see and interesting to see where it goes because I think there's so much scope there.
0: Yeah, somebody who's uh, currently wearing a foundation, which I bought online, which I've realised is not quite the right colour for me. I, I completely agree with Amanda there about the, you know, how helpful it will be, different methods kind of catch up with each other as you're saying it's uh it, the quality varies wildly but um but i do think it will help uh, as mentioned reduce waste um reduce uh, unnecessary spend will it reduce the input of of the human touch possibly to a certain extent on an everyday basis but you know if, if anyone who's ever read shakespeare or watched it actually you're supposed to but but you know, there are just some things that people can bring to the table, which I just don't think machines will. And, you know, whether it's kind of that perfect imperfection or whatever it might be, I do think there will always be Demand for the human touch, you know, for example, these short run, beautiful artisanal packages that are made by some tiny nonna in Italy, you know, that kind of thing is still really well loved and really popular and goes down really well with consumers. I, I'm kind of hopeful. I'm kind of optimistic that we're not going to get taken over the ro- by the robots just yet.
3: I really hope you're right, Julie.
0: <laughs> I
1: think there's a balance. So nothing beats getting a sample in store and trying and it a little sample pop pop it especially if it's something like foundation pop it on and then you can see how it lasts throughout the day and then you can make a decision either go back in store or buy online but i do think though that try on features can help people be more experimental with their makeup, Mm -hmm. perhaps try a bright new lipstick they've never tried before, an eyeshadow look. And last year I was at um, Cosmoprof Bologna and I was talking to this tech company who create this AI try-on filters. And what they do is they work with social sellers so who work remotely to their clients. So they will be on video call with their client and um, say their client wants to try on a new foundation that the seller is selling, that seller can pick the foundation shades and get them to try it on virtually as they're talking in real time so
0: hybrid basically yeah, yeah. exactly that's and
1: i think that's really where it's got to head if anywhere at all but it has already moved on because about four years ago when AI ion, ion try and filters first emerged it was just treated as a novelty so the fact that it is being taken more seriously i think is going to show signs of where we're going to see it heading next Amanda, do you want to go with our final trend of the year to watch?
2: Yeah, so from robots to ingredients, pretty much there's a new hydration hero set to take centre stage this year called ectoin, which could potentially knock hyaluronic acid off of its moisturising pedestal. The amino acid derivative is being touted as the new it ingredient for this year, with the likes of online retailer Beauty Pie and the British Beauty Council both naming it as one to watch in their 2024 beauty forecasts. But why all the fuss? Well, ectoin is said to combine the moisturizing properties of hyaluronic acid, but with the barrier-boosting properties and effects of niacinamide, so basically making like this one-fit-all kind of skincare powerhouse, so quite exciting. I'm going to try and do the science, guys, but I'm not a scientist. So <laughs> I'm <laughs> going to try do and do that. it in layman's terms about what it is. It's been very interesting. We're not learning going to about it. you and give you a yeah, grade. So just for all the scientists out there, you know, bear with. Um, but yeah, basically, ectoine is an extremolite, So it's a small group of organic molecules which protect organisms living in the most hostile environments. So think the dry deserts, the deep, dark depths of the ocean, like places where it's really hard to like survive. It helps these things to not only to survive, but to actually thrive by performing a protective shield around them and it can provide this benefit for the skin too so pretty much it when it applies to skin it creates like this invisible hydrofilm which helps to stabilize cell membranes and protect proteins it also reduces oxidative stress and cell inflammation protecting skin from external aggressors so all great like tick 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 but it's just suddenly popped up in the last kind of I'd say last 12 months, a lot of brands have started putting it into their products because it essentially helps to charge up the skin's defense system, sort of acting as like this skin bodyguard, um, while also improving overall skin health and moisturization, which is, you know, exactly what you want. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk, but the data showing that the consumer interest in this smart ingredient is also heating up as well. So from October 2023 to December 2023, there was a 123% increase in global Google searches for the ingredient, while Ectoin on TikTok has 4.2 million views. There's a lot to be said for it. I think another thing, just a caveat, is that this ingredient's actually been around for a really long time. It's been in a lot of medicinal products for people dealing with eczema and things like that. But I think it's kind of gone under the radar a long time. And now it's kind of about to have its moment to shine in the cosmetic sphere. Yeah, I'm very excited. I don't know if anyone's tried it, like a product with it in or if anybody's heard about it.
0: I haven't tried it. I have heard about it in the context as of kind of like that protective, as you say, eczema cream, dry skin, um, baby care, that kind of thing. But I have to admit, I personally haven't picked a product up off the shelf and gone, oh, I will use this because it contains ectoin. Kind of, I, I feel like, as, as you mentioned, two of the, the things you mentioned that it's been touted as the new for, um, halalonic acid and niacinamide. I mean, th- those are again, things that have been around for ages but then they suddenly have this uptick in i think a usage and b also consumer awareness about, about what they do and what they are you know i've got lots of friends who don't work in the industry who just like beauty products and they would if you say oh hyaluronic acid they go oh yes absolutely they know they know what it is what it does I, I feel that it's exciting that there's another ingredient joining this roster of almost universally recognizable ingredients uh, for for moisturizing and for, for skin protection as well
1: It also sounds like it's fitting the trend for multi-purpose products, no longer like one serum per ingredient, so it can save you money and time as well by the sounds of it.
2: Yeah, there's actually some brands who have been doing it for a while, so like Paula's Choice, Dr. Jar, Dr. Dennis Gross a few of them have actually had it and they've been touting the benefits of it for a while. But I think, it yeah, it's just gone under the radar. So I think we'll see a lot more education around it, a lot more awareness. And I think it just ties into this kind of narrative at the moment about hydration, 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 mm-hmm. whatever your skin type, whatever your skin age, especially because we've seen like a rise in menopausal skincare and things like that. And that skin needs hydration. And this ingredient does that so it hydrates but it also protects and you know if ectoin can protect organisms in some of the harshest environments and just <laughs> think what it can do for the skin so I myself will be seeking some products out and giving it a try This
1: is cosmetics business picks the section of the podcast where we share our favorite products of the past month so in no particular order Alessandro, do you want to go first?
3: Uh, Definitely. I'm going to talk about Pleasing and its new candle trio. Um, And I just want to say, I don't think there is a better combination of words for a headline than Harry Styles, sex and fragrance. (laughs) Because I remember the hype around his fragrance. It was just crazy last year. And I thought that would have been it. You know, comes out with the three, done. And then two months later, he comes out with candles, which... Actually, I didn't know what to think at first because it just seemed so random. It's like, okay, here are these candles. How
0: terribly romantic, though.
3: (laughs) And it kind of makes sense because the candles are quite cute. They're fairly minimalist laid back. They're just in these tiny little pots, which feels totally in keeping with the brand's ethos. And I'm sure diehard fans have already bought all three. I'm sure it's absolutely fine. But I really think it was like a nice expansion to the offering already. And if anything, I'd like to see more. I'd like to see uh, standalone Candle fragrances, which aren't linked with perfumes, and something more consistent. Because it seems right now the offerings a bit random. We've had nail polishes, fragrance, and now candles. Definitely like to see more of that from Pleasing.
2: Amanda, you went to a Harry Styles Pleasing pop up with a fragrance there. No, this was back when he hadn't launched Fragrance yet. So it was just the nail polishes, some of the skin stuff and the apparel. And I have to say it was brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) I was completely converted because um, they did a really good thing where they had all some of the old stock. So like collections that were limited edition that they don't run anymore. And you could do a pick and mix of the nail polishes so you could create your own bespoke box. It was genius. But yeah, there was no fragrance, no candles then. So um, I'd be interested to see what they smell like. Do you want to go for your next product? <laughs> yes, so um, I'm talking about hair care giant Pantene um, because they've just entered the bond repair market. So they're sort of spicing it up and helping to democratise the sector by doing bond repair at a slightly lower price point. It's a four-piece range and it uses molecular bond repair um, technology with Pro-V Pearls, which claim to achieve hair regeneration from a molecular level helping to reverse the signs of damage caused by heat tools um, environmental you know daily wear and tear. Um, I've been using it for a while and actually I've only been using it for about three weeks and my hair does feel softer healthier so it's quite interesting because a lot of the time some of the really good bond repair products are quite pricey and this is much lower more you know near to the 20 pound mark so exciting. Um, one of my favorite products um, of the season was the Ordinary
1: Soothing and Barrier Support Serum. So it contains Centella um, Asiatica, Ceramides, Niacinamide, Vitamin B12. All of these ingredients are really commonplace in beauty, but there was just something about this serum I really enjoyed using. It quickly became a staple. I used it up very quickly. You just knew your skin was grateful for it, and when I stopped using it, it it became a bit more inflamed. I would say the only negative aspect for this serum, though, was the bright pink color. The ordinary claims it's because of the B twelve, and that's the natural color. Can you of see the, it on your face? When you you it can it see it on your face, and so when if you've got a bit of a rosy tint like me, anyway, naturally it, it enhances that a little bit until it settles down. So that's a little bit alarming. But apart from that. I really recommend it to everyone, and I'm pretty sure they did the pink because of TikTok and to go viral on social media. But if anyone needs a soothing serum, that would be my recommendation.
3: It is a really interesting shade of pink. Yeah, I completely remember. It it looks like something out of like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, some sort of really unnatural... (laughs) Therapy. yeah.
1: Absolutely, and it also felt a bit more like Estee Lauder produced as well I felt this serum because it was so claims focused the fact that the name was soothing and barrier pair the DNA is changing slightly a little bit perhaps because normally the ordinary is so ingredients focused in terms of the
0: name of a product this was a bit surprising yeah, Julia, do you want to go? Fantastic. So, yeah, my pick for this um, this particular month is Covergirl's Simply Ageless Skin Perfector Essence Foundation. Uh, a lot of words there, but essentially it's a skincare and makeup hybrid. And why I chose it is that its formulation really jumped out at me because it feels like it's aimed squarely at millennials. Uh, so CoverGirl was one of my first go-to makeup brands, uh, and I'm I'm nearly 40. So I guess what it feels like is that CoverGirl is maybe growing with its late 90s, early noughties audience, rather than only targeting uh, younger Gen Z consumers. So it contains tranexamic acid and uh, bakuchiol, which uh, I think we've as all known as kind of nature's retinol. And these are firm anti-agers. They help to reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. They boost firmness and plumpness. So it's very much in the anti-aging sphere. The other thing that made me really love it is that uh, the pigments are suspended in capsules within the formulation uh, which reminds me so much of when I joined this industry um, back in 2008 that was a huge huge thing and I feel like this again is really jumping in on that trend we're seeing I mean, I think at the moment one of the biggest cultural events is saltburn everyone is talking about it obviously that's set in I think 2006 uh, lots of kind of girls with juicy risen across their derrières uh, lots of pop collars um, you've got Mean Girls in musical coming out the original came out 20 years ago so i feel like maybe the mid noughties is really having a moment we've had uh 90s revival we had uh y2k now is the time for the mid aughts especially as um, you mentioned earlier with indie sleaze i i feel like this is all feeding into it coming back so yeah great nostalgia for me you know a real trend there for gen z as well and i think this product fits nicely into that <music>
1: That's all now for the Cosmetics Business Podcast. Thank you, listeners, for joining us on our first episode of the year. If you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, like, leave a comment, share, and subscribe to the Cosmetics Business Podcast so you never miss an episode. Join us next time as we tackle the biggest stories and trends in beauty. And in the meantime, make sure to subscribe to cosmeticsbusiness.com for all of your beauty industry news and analysis. Bye. Bye.